We are in um, a series, and we just started it. This is week two of a series called The Joy of the Lord is My Strength. And uh, I don't know about you, but I need this. I just need the joy of the Lord. It's our strength, and I just, I feel that. And so we're, we're week two in this, and the whole purpose of this is to realize that life can be discouraging. I don't know about you, but I don't know, maybe it's been the last five months, six months, maybe it was all of 2020, but I just feel like I have a proclivity sometimes just to kind of get discouraged out of nowhere. Are you like me? I'll be super high and just life is good. I'm like high-fiving people, sipping coffee, and then the next day I'm like, what are we even doing? You know, like, and it just sink, and I don't know why, and I've told my, you know, and I know I'm not alone because many of us have talked and you've said the same thing, and you know what I realized? There's a remedy for that. It's in the Bible. And the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's more than just a happy feeling. It's more than just some tinglys. It's our strength. It gives us strength. So I'm excited to do part two in that. So, you know, oh, happy day. <laughs> I was going to sing, but I'm in the wrong key and I can't really sing. <laughs> All right, if you got a Bible, go with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. I can't wait to do worship again in just about 30 minutes. Get the boy band back up here. Man, it's going to be good. <laughs> you guys sounded so good. When, you, when all the instruments cut out and you guys were just like, Jesus. I was like, please tell me someone recorded that. I'm, I am really thrilled to uh, read out of this passage. This, this is one of the great stories in scripture. It gives me so much hope. Um, it's going to give you joy. You're going to be inspired. How, you're like, how do you know? Because you already you think your message is going to be so good. No, because it's the Bible. It's the Word of God. And so it's going to be good already. In fact, I could just read this, pray, and we could call it a day. <laughs> I could. We could all go to lunch early. Um, that's how good this is. And I know it's going to bless you. So I'm going to start Mark chapter 4. Or no, Mark chapter 5. And if you're women here and you joined us, we had, I don't know, almost 100 women on Friday night, and we, there was a women's gathering. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was just me and Donald. Donald. Donald and I were the only two men in the whole room. There was a lot of estrogen, man. <laughs> it's cool, but it was intimidating. And um, no, it was such a great, great night. And I shared a little bit out of this passage. So ladies, if you're here, trust me, it's, it's a different talk, but there'll be something. So don't get mad. It's going to be good. It's good to hear some of it for a second time. All right, uh, verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again into the boat on the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. And then came out one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet, and he implored Jesus earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she might be made well and live. And Jesus went with him. A great crowd followed him and thronged about him. There was a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched me? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around, and yet you ask, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing that what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and she told him the whole truth. Turn to someone and say, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. 
And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead. She is merely sleeping. And Jesus was a poet, and I don't know if he knew it. (laughs) The child is not dead. She's merely sleeping. And they laughed at him. And he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him. They went in where the child was. And taking her by the hand, Jesus said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with amazement. No, I know. I know it was a lot, but it was good, right? Such a good story. I'm so excited about part two in our series. I'd like to title this sermon, A Brand New Day. Uh, There's a little girl. She's 12 years of age, and she has died. After death, she encounters Jesus, and she comes back to life. And then there's a woman. She's got issues. She's had those issues for 12 years. In the midst of her issues, she encounters Jesus, And Jesus makes her whole again. It's a brand new day. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for the moments we have. I pray that you would speak to us as only you can. I thank you for your word. I thank you for everyone who's in church this morning, for those that are listening by whatever means they're listening. Lord, would you read us and speak to us? You know the circumstances of our life. I thank you that your joy gives us strength. It's more than just happy moments. It fuels us, inspires us, it girds us. It's our foundation, and you are the anchor that holds us through it all. Would you speak to us now? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Instantly in this passage, I can relate with Jairus. He's the dad. I'm a dad. And there's any dads in here? Any any fathers? All right. I'm not just a dad, I'm a dad of a girl. Any dads of girls? Okay, because that's, that's a different thing. If, if you have sons, I have two sons, but it's totally different. And I have my two boys, but when I had my baby girl, Serenity, who was no longer a baby, but when I had her, it changed me as a father. So I relate with this man and his panic and his, and his worry over his daughter being sick. Okay, well, my sons would get hurt. They'd fall down. They'd scrape their knee. I'd be like, it's good for you. Rub some dirt in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, be a man. It's good. You're going to learn. Serenity, when she fell down, well, she didn't fall down because I always caught her. That's what happened. Like, I would never let her fall because she's my baby girl. I noticed it when we would discipline. Like, if my sons would get out of line, I'd be like, what did you say? Say it one more time. See what happens. You know, like, that's how I'd kind of, when my daughter, when she would do something, just recently, my six-year-old daughter, I love her, and she said I could share this, so we did it. Uh, yeah. Well, we did it on a podcast, so I assume that that, that goes to here, too. Okay. Um, she called me crying just two days ago. She's like, Dad, I need, I need to tell you something. And I'm oh, my mind's racing. You ever have a teenage daughter call you crying? You're like, Dad, I need to tell you something. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, like, oh, Jesus. You know, and she's like, I scratched the car, which I was, <laughs> you know, out of all the things. But I'm like, wait a second. You mean Mom's Lexus? She's like, yes. Okay, now, it wasn't bad. She had scraped it against the thing. It was a scratch. It's, you know, it's a scratch. Again, that would not be how I would have reacted with my sons. 
<laughs> my son Judah once like hit a curb and bent the wheel. I'm like, nice, nicely done, son. He's like, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm like, you know what? That's com- you're gonna pay for that. You will pay me off for the alignment. <laughs> like, I mean, I was just not, maybe I was too strict. They tell me I am, but I never noticed. It. And then Seridicus, I'm like, baby, are you okay? Okay, don't cry. I mean, literally, I, I hear myself. I have a friend who can testify. Dan, where are you at? Dan was sitting with me at coffee. I'm like, it's okay. It's just a car. It's just material. It's just things. You know, like, what? It's a Lexus, man. It's a big deal. Anyways, um, I just treat her differently with athletics. My boys, you know, they, I'm, I, wasn't, I wasn't the dad who's like making my sons play sports. They did play sports, but I played on the collegiate level. I like to throw that in there. <laughs> Just toss it in there every now and then. And so I didn't want to be the dad who's like, you know, you're going to be the best. So I would, I would encourage them to play sports. But I also, you know, all I would say to them is like, hey, just leave it all on the field. 100%. You know, and if they did it in a game, I'd be like, I love you. I mean, I hope you had fun. But, you know, give it 100%. Like, don't punk out. Leave it on the field. Serenity, I didn't care what she did. I remember her first ballet recital. She was like six years old. We go to a ballet recital. Now, first of all, I don't go to ballet recitals. But I do for my daughter. <laughs> I got showed up. <laughs> and, and the guy's like, are you it? I'm like, say it to my face, man. Say it to my face. I walk in, and I don't know if you've ever seen five-year-olds do ballet. It's funny. And so they kind of get out there. They got, like, their little tutus on. And they have the teachers that will come out with them because they're five. It's like, it's like hurting. I don't know what it's like hurting. It's like hurting five-year-olds, you know, like trying to. And so they all come out there. And the moment it starts, um, I mean, this is the kid start. The one girl starts to cry. She just starts to cry. She panics a little bit, and she's crying. And I'm like, I don't know whose daughter that is. And then another girl's having a conversation full on with her brother. Like, did mom and dad say we're going to ice cream? Like, you know, <laughs> other kids are just kind of like running around. And I mean, it's just total chaos. And every parent's filming. And then there's Serenity, my daughter. And here's what Serenity did. She froze. Now, I didn't feel like she froze because she's my girl, and she could do it wrong. But she did. She got out there. And she did this, and she dropped her hands like this, and then she just stood. <laughs> and just stood there, you know, and like, I could see other parents being like, what's, the, what's her problem? You know, every other one's like, and, the, and then some of them were doing a little routine, but not Serena. She stood there, and as her dad, I wasn't embarrassed. I didn't think she was doing it wrong. I was like, what poise? <laughs> what discipline? What strength? You know, I'm like, look at her. I mean, she's an artist. She's expressing herself. And I'm like, bravo! You know, like, I'm filming her. I'm like, you're doing so good. She's just like, hmm. I'm just standing there. I don't think she ever did one thing, but we were clapping. My whole family was there. I'm like, clap, clap, you know. It's because she's my baby girl. So I totally get it when this guy Jairus shows up and he's like, Jesus, like my little girl is dying. Like, I can understand the panic, the turmoil, all of it. And he must, the, the thrill that this father would have experienced when Jesus said, let's go, let's do it. Okay, your little girl's dying, I understand too. Let's go. And they're on their way, but Jesus stops on the way to heal the dying little girl. Now, he, who he stops for is not just anybody. The Bible refers to this woman as a woman with issues. She's the woman with the issue of blood. And when the Bible uses a generic term like that, it's universal. It means if there's not a name, you and I could put our names in there. Fellas, you could put your name in there. This is a universal thought. This is someone. This woman represents people who've got issues. Turn to someone and say, you got issues. Turn to someone else and say, I've got them too. (laughs) Thank you, Julia. 
Michaels. All right. But these aren't issues that anyone can fix. The Bible tells us that these issues are the kind that man can't fix. Like I have some issues. I can go see a counselor. I got other issues. I can go see a doctor. I have some issues. I can maybe come to, I can come to church and get encouraged. But these, the, the Bible makes it clear that this, this woman had issues. She was so damaged, so broken that man could not fix her. In fact, man only made it worse. She spent all she had. And not only did it not make it better, it made it worse. So these, these are real issues. And in fact, society had rejected this woman. Back in those days, culturally, if you have what this woman had, which was the issue of blood, if you had that, you couldn't go in public. It was illegal back in those days. You were ceremonially unclean. And so if she were to find herself like in a room, say like this, she would have to announce publicly to all of us, I am unclean. Imagine that. And it would be illegal for her to be there. If she were to sit on one of these chairs, back in those days, they would take the chair and they would burn it. She was unwanted. She had been dismissed. She had been ignored and she is avoided. Not only that, the Bible says that she's in hiding because she is unseen. Okay, it says that Jesus was there and she said she came up from behind. This woman is... She's unseen. People don't notice her. But the truth of it is she doesn't want to be seen. So that's why she comes up from behind Jesus. She didn't want to meet Jesus face to face, want to talk to the pastor, want to shake his hand, want to tell him my story. No, no, no. She's like, she came from behind. And the Bible says that she said to herself, if I could just touch his garment, I'm not trying to touch him. I'm not trying to be noticed. I don't even want him to necessarily know that I've been there and I'm trying to get something from him. If I could just touch the hem of his robe. She doesn't want to be seen because she's ashamed and her issue has become her identity, which whether you're willing to admit it or not, we can all relate to some degree or another. Yet Jesus knows what this woman needs more than anything is to know that he sees her. Jesus knew that. She thought, I don't want to be seen. He's like, what you need more than anything is to know that I do see you. So what's he do? Jesus makes a commotion. Sometimes you read this and it reads like Jesus is like having a senior citizen moment or something. He's like, who touched me? Who touched me? And they're all like, Jesus, you're being ridiculous. Who touched me? Like, that's not at all what's happening. He's God. He's making a commotion on purpose. He's like, who touched me? And the disciples are like, Jesus, this is ridiculous. Everyone's pushing you. Everyone's trying to touch you. You're a rock star. They're all trying to get to you and you want to know who touched you. But Jesus wasn't doing it for that. He needed her to know that he saw her. He needed her to know. So many times our issues become our identity and we, and we kind of like retreat and we go into hiding. And the very thing that we need to know is that Jesus, he sees us. And so she, she can't avoid it anymore. He clearly is, he knows. So she, the Bible says she goes, she falls at his feet and she tells him the whole truth. Interesting, the, the wording here in scripture, the whole truth. Are you like me? I'm good at half truth. You know what I mean? Like I'm not lying, but I'm also not telling you everything. I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and I can't tell you how many students I'd sit down and be like, all right, so I heard that you were kind of like, you know, getting physical with your girlfriend. Like, yeah, pastor. So what'd you do? Well, we kissed. That's like 25% of the truth, right? And what this teenager's hoping is I'll be like, okay, thank you for your honesty, right? But I was too good. I mean, after 10 years of being a veteran youth pastor, I'm like, yeah, what else did you do? Wow. 
we kiss twice. That's like 30% of the truth. You know what I'm saying? Parents, if you don't know, this is what happens. They're going to give you as much as they think they can give you just to be like, thank you for your honesty and move on. They're like, Whoosh. no, no, no. For whatever reason, after 12 years of this issue, and after her realizing I need to get to Jesus, she said, no more games, no more hiding, no more secrets, no more half-truth. I'm going to tell the whole truth. It's at that point where we begin to realize, like, if you can't be honest with yourself, who can you be, who can you be honest with? We hide because we're ashamed of our issue. I'm ashamed of what you'd say if you knew. That's why I so salute Jake Archer and many of these men that are going to get together in this celebrate recovery. As if all of us don't struggle with addiction in our lives. As if you don't. Oh, it may not be heroin for you, but it, it, as if you don't have issues. We all do, but we get ashamed. And so we hide it and we keep the whole truth. There was this passage in John chapter 4. There's another woman in scripture. The Bible refers to her as a woman at the well. And Jesus goes out of his way to meet this woman. She's a Samaritan and he's a Jew. And so Jews don't interact with Samaritans and men certainly don't interact with women back in those days. But Jesus goes out of his way and he meets this woman. And she's shocked the fact that Jesus is talking to her. At one point, she's even like, why are you even talking to me? You're a Jew and you're a man. And, I'm, and, Jesus, and Jesus says to her, he's like, if you knew who it was you were talking to, we would talk all day. And so at some point in their conversation, she makes the statement, of that she doesn't have a husband, that she's not married. And Jesus says to her, he goes, you're right, you're not married. In fact, you've had five marriages, they've all failed, and the man you're currently with is not your husband. So what you say is true. I mean, talk about calling a woman out on her issues, right? Like the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Here's the thing. The impact it has on this woman isn't shame and hiding. In fact, she's, she's elated. She can't believe. She goes, I perceive that you are a prophet. And he's like, well, you know. And the Bible says she goes back to her town and to her city. And eventually all of them would end up meeting Jesus and finding salvation. But listen to the words she says in John 4.29. She literally says these words. She goes, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Everything I ever did. Now, you didn't read it, but I'm going to tell you, he doesn't tell her all of that. In fact, Jesus just told her, I'm God. You had five failed marriages, and you're on your sixth one, and it's not going very well, and you shouldn't be doing it. That's what he told her. Isn't it amazing that in her mind, her issue was everything she ever did? Because that's what we do. Our failures, our faults, our issues, it becomes everything. It's all consuming. It becomes our identity. And so we, we back off in shame. We hide. We go into hiding. And Jesus calls this woman out as if seeing, if God seeing your issues is the very thing that will help free you from those issues. But we think differently, right? We think I got to hide it. Uh, we come into church like this, and we're like, hey, brother, good to see you. How you doing? Well, you know, blessed and highly favored. God is with me. I'm above, never beneath. You know, like we kind of do the whole little thing. Not around here so much, which I appreciate. Thank you for not being that. And if you do, I love you. But no, um, no, 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 no. Like, but Jesus, your issue being seen by God is the very thing that will freak you of your issue. If there is anyone we can be honest with. It is Jesus. Okay, 
So this woman, back to the woman with the issue, she kneels before Jesus and tells the whole truth. And verse 34 says that Jesus responds, daughter, your faith has made you whole. 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 Not just, not just, not just healed, but whole. In fact, this, this word whole is used twice in this passage. And here it means something different than what was used in the first time. And the first time when the woman says to herself, if I could just touch him, I would be, I would be made well. What that, that, what that Greek word meant there is like, I would be saved and I would be healed. That's what that meant. The word Jesus used when he said, your faith has made you whole and you are healed of your disease. Yes, the healed part is he healed you. He took care of, took care of that. The whole part means complete, strong, healthy, well. Jesus doesn't just fix our problems. He fixes us. That's what he does. He's like, your faith has made you whole. Again, 2 Corinthians 5.17. They could put it up there on the screens. It says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God, I love that. Old things have passed away. What was, what's been done, what is, old things pass away. All things become new. What in your life do you need to be new in 2021? What issue, what pain? Jesus says all things become not just healed, but whole. Now go to verse 36. Verse 36 is... Perhaps, in my opinion, one of the potentially rudest, most insensitive statements Jesus will ever make in all of Scripture. Follow me for a second. And it's not, but it certainly appears that way. Jesus does this with this woman. He sees her. He gives her value. He makes her whole, right? And then as they're going to find to this little girl's house that has died, it says that messengers come. And they say, don't bother him anymore. Your baby girl, she's dead. And Jesus' response is, do not fear, just believe. Okay. Now just back up for a second. Remember I told you I was a dad of a girl? Okay. <clears throat> it's one thing, you know, for me to be like, man, I, did, I can't pay my rent. Do not fear, only believe. Like, all right, man, I can feel that. Me and my wife were in an argument, man. I don't know. It's not going well. Hey, man. Do not fear, just believe. But look at the context of this right here. Jesus is on his way to heal a dying girl. This father, Jairus, his daughter is dying. Everything that means everything to him is on the line. And time is of the essence. And he has made that clear when he came to Jesus. He's like, please come now. And Jesus says, let's go. And they're on their way. And Jesus decides to stop, to stop going to save this man's daughter for a woman, and not just any woman, a woman with issues, a woman that actually by law shouldn't even be there. She's unwanted. She's kind of dirty. I mean, if I'm, if I'm Jairus, if I'm the father of the little girl who's just out, I'm like, Yo, Jesus, like, what did you just say to me? Don't fear, just believe. My daughter is dead. And like, I get that you're God and all, but honestly, man, okay, like you could have this woman right here, 12 years she's been suffering. I mean, what's, what's another hour for her? Like, this isn't life and death. This woman is nobody to nothing. And if you want to heal her, I totally understand. But my baby girl just died 
Because you, you want to take a moment to help this lady with, with, with cramps? That's what we're talking about here? I mean, if you put yourself in his perspective, like his daughter's dead. He doesn't know the end like we know. Imagine that news. Maybe you've gotten news like that before. It's dead. It's over. And Jesus turns to this man and says, don't fear. Just believe. This is one of the realest truths you'll find in all of life. Oftentimes, when life hits us with trauma and pain and discouragement and disappointment, our tendency is to blame God instead of turning to God. That's the tendency. It's a tendency. Like, God, how, how could you let this happen? And you know why it's easy to blame him sometimes? Because logically, it's like, why? I do not understand. She's just, she's just having a moment. We'll come right back to where my baby girl is dying. Jairus could have. I'm, I'm impressed with this man. This man doesn't get enough, doesn't get enough airtime in scripture. But make no mistake, he follows Jesus and just believes in the midst of the worst news he possibly will ever receive. Your daughter's dead. I mean, easy to blame God. Jesus says, just believe. I mean, I don't know if you can actually punch God. <laughs> you know, I don't know how that works. But I mean, I'd be tempted to throw, throw a right hook. Like, what did you say to me? How insensitive. My daughter's dead. And had Jesus not gone and done the impossible, miraculous, and the wonderful, and made all things new, Jairus would have been justified. But for some reason, somewhere, this man stands in the midst of the worst, and he follows Jesus in it all. Verse 39, they get to the house. And Jesus takes the same tone with the family and friends who have gathered. They're crying, and they're weeping, and they're wailing. Why? Because a little girl is dead. That makes sense. That's acceptable. And Jesus walks up and he goes, why are you crying? She's just asleep. Now, again, this, this seems rude, does it not? Have you ever been to a funeral or, or a ceremony or a wake? Like if I were to walk into a funeral of a loved one of yours and I were to walk in, like, pastor, thank you for being here. I'm like, why is everyone crying? What's going on? She's taking a nap. Like, right? <laughs> I mean, put yourself in the context. You're like, well, it's Jesus. Well, they're just meeting Jesus here for the first time. We have the luxury of knowing how everything ends and knowing that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But put yourself in that situation. And Jesus takes the same tone with them. And the Bible says that he doesn't ask them to leave. The Bible makes it very clear. It says he put them out. Like He's like, they don't want to leave. He's like, I'm put them outside. Just get them outside. And then Jesus takes the dad and the mom and he goes in. I love this because John 16, 33, this is one of my favorite verses in scripture because Jesus, God, makes it very clear how life is going to go. He says this, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Did you catch it? Now, hey, sometimes maybe, perhaps, perchance, there's a good chance, 50-50, about 70-30. No, no, you will have tribulation. God's not trying to trick us. This isn't a Ponzi scheme. He's not trying to get you in and then you're going to hit you with the real news. No, right from the get-go. He's like, yo, in life, it's going to shoot you straight real quick. You will have trouble. Well, thank you. Thank you. Because I kind of felt that. I kind of knew that. I've experienced that. I know we show up to church and we smile and we're like, oh, it's all good. Everything is so good. And we fake happy sometimes. But Jesus is just like, just so you know, it's out there. It's coming for you and you will have trouble. But then he uses these words, be of what? Good cheer. Good cheer. Yeah. 
Jesus isn't mincing words. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what Jesus is trying to convey to these people. He's not, he's not negating or ignoring the pain and the problem. And I hate that when Christians do that. And I, I don't hate Christians and I talk about Christians because I is one, have been my whole life. So give me, some, give me some slack here. But I hate it when we do that and we, we kind of ignore the bad. Like I once, I once legitimately broke my ankle and I had a friend who I, I respected, but he's like, it's not broken. I'm like, no, it feels broke. No, don't say it. It's a negative confession. I'm like, I don't know what you want me to confess, but it's, it's broken. I can see the bone. It's kind of popping out the side. You know. No, don't say it. It's not broken. It is broken. I'm not going to ignore that there's bad in, the li- in this life. But have hope. Have joy. Be of good cheer. For he has overcome the world. Scripture doubles down. Revelation 21 Four through six. I'll read it from the Passions. Look what, look what it says there. Or I'll read from ESV. You guys have it? Man, I can't read it anyways. I'm blind. I got it right here. All right, look at this. Revelation. It's, it doubles down on this whole thought. This is the end of the Bible. This is God. He says this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, this is God, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said it to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. Like, I don't know, these are some of the most powerful words. Like God is ending his book with statements like this. I make all things new. Yes, there will be tears and yes, there will be mourning, but I will wipe them away and I will make all things new. How? Because I'm the alpha and the omega. You know what that means? If you, if you haven't been in church, what that means is I am the beginning and the end. That's why God, that's why Jesus can say to this man in the midst of his worst moment, don't be afraid, just believe. Well, unless you can claim to be the beginning and the end, I don't think you get to say that, but Jesus does. He can say that. He's not in time like you and me. Like if, I'm, if you have a terrible thing, all I can do at the very best is like, I'm sorry. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to cry with you. Should we go get lunch? What can I do? I'll just come sit over at your house and we'll just be there. And I'll just be with you in it. I can't fix it. I can't tell you it's going to be okay. I can hope and pray and believe and think and be positive. But I don't know for sure. But Jesus is the beginning and the end. He's not limited by time. Do you feel like time's been wasted? you feel like you lost a year? Well, we all lost a year. But do you feel like you've lost... Like, like I, I can't do all that was in my heart to do. I mean, it's, it's already been, t- I'm, I'm 43. I'm, I'm 28. <laughs> I'm 21. Some of these 21-year-olds like, what am I doing with my life? You're 21. Relax. <laughs> I'm talking to my own 21-year-old. When I was 21, I'm like, what am I even doing? <laughs> you know, I'm 44. I get it. Like it. God is not on your time frame. Now, first, that makes us like, okay, what you're going to say, Pastor, is like, it's going to take longer. No, no, no. I'm saying like he can do whatever he wants as quickly as it wants. If it takes him 10 years, he can redeem in 10 years what you couldn't have done in 20. Bam. That's God. That's what God does. That's not just me saying that. That happens. God didn't begin when the beginning began. 
He began the beginning, right? That's God. He's in control of it all. So Jesus says to this, to this man, hey, don't be afraid. Just believe. And then they come to verse 41. And he says these words. Little girl, I say to you, arise. I, w- I wish I had been there because I feel like when he said that, when he said the word arise, you know, you ever seen the movies? It would have been like, arise. <laughs> like there, there must have been an echo in heaven because what was dead comes back to life. Wow. Two truths right here. First of all, things die. Second of all, Jesus can bring it back to life. One truth is, is hard to handle. And I'm not going to try and take the edge off of it because it's just real. Things die. Marriages die. Man, it hurts. People die. Loved ones. Dreams die. Relationships end. Plans fail. Hopes get shattered on the shore of life. You're like, geez, thanks, Pastor. All right? I know that's, that's a real truth. And we can't pretend it's not. But Jesus can bring things back to life. The hopes that you had lost can make it new again. Because of Jesus, I can get back up. Not in my own strength. That little girl could not have got herself up. Her dad would have done anything. He'd have died for her if he could, but he couldn't. You can't get up on your own, but because of Jesus, you can get back up. Can I say a phrase to you and can you take it with you all week? Begin again. (laughs) Begin again. And let the joy of the Lord be your strength. He says, little girl, to a dead little girl, little girl, arise, begin again. Behold, I make all things new and she gets up and she walks and the bible says that they were amazed that they were they were astonished immediately in the actual language the greek language which is how you find context in scripture so it doesn't just become our opinion or what i think what it literally means is ecstasy unspeakable joy they experienced unspeakable joy can you imagine going from such grief and loss to ecstasy and unspeakable joy. That's because Jesus makes all things new. It's a brand new day and the joy of the Lord is our strength. What kind of, what kind of day have you been having? What kind of year have you been having? Can I tell you? I woke up this morning and I just felt it in my, I'm like, it's a brand new day. I had someone I don't know as a friend on social media they they put a little clock and it said 12 a.m and they're like it's a new day and i felt that glad i'm glad yesterday's gone that was a rough one right it's a brand new day and with god you could say it every day and actually believe it and mean it don't be afraid just believe it's a brand new day so what do we do when the issues that we face try to steal our joy or Try to take our identity, because they'll do both. The issues you're facing right now could steal your joy, 
at the very least, they can become your identity. Who you are becomes what has happened to you. Who you are becomes what you have done or didn't do. What do we do when that happens? Well, this is my favorite part in the whole passage. My favorite part is verse 34. When this woman with her issues falls down and gets honest with God, which any of us can do at any point, tell the whole truth. I mean, you could fool me. I could fool you. We could sometimes fool our spouse. I can't fool mine, but she could fool me. Kids can fool their parents. It's a fact. Parents can fool the kids. No, mommy and daddy aren't fighting. Mommy and daddy are are debating. (laughs) Whatever. You can't fool God. And why would you want to? So she tells him the whole truth. And look what Jesus says in verse 34. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Emphasis on the word daughter. Now in this passage, that word has been used twice. In the very beginning, when the dad came to Jesus, he said, my daughter, my daughter is dying. And then a second time when Jesus looks at the woman with all her issues and he says, daughter. Now, to us in English, it's the same word, but it is not the same word. In the original language, the language that they would have been speaking at the time, it's two different words. And everyone there would have known it's not the same word. It'd be like me calling you Brian or calling you Billy. It's, it's two different words. And the first word used for the little girl, it's a generic term for the word daughter. It means like female child. It literally means in the Greek, daughterling. It's a, it's a generic, like it's a, it's a daughter. The one that Jesus uses when he addresses this woman who's on her knees, broken, telling the whole truth, and, he's, and she has all of her issues, he uses, the one he uses, it literally means DNA, like um, lineage. It would speak of, literally, if they heard it, it would have been the equivalent of Jesus saying, this is my daughter. It would have been like me saying serenity to my daughter. That's my... Do you understand? Like, and everyone there would have thought, because of that word, would have been like, wait a second, wait a second, is he, is he married? Wait, does, he have a, does he have a love child? Like that's what they would have thought because what he was saying is this is my girl. Like Jairus, like I get that your baby girl is dying, but you don't understand. I didn't just stop for nobody. I didn't just stop everything and pause for just a, a random woman who's got issues. No, no, this is, this is my daughter. And, I, and I'm, I'm sorry for your daughter. And I'm going to get to her and I promise you I will and I'll make all things new, but my daughter needs me right now. Jesus is making a point that people with issues matter. They matter. And that should give you hope and that should make you smile and that should give you joy and it should be your strength because you got issues and so do I. And Jesus stops what he's doing. And just so you know, when Jesus does anything, it has a purpose and meaning and it's very important. He doesn't do anything. So he stopped the important work. Why? Dad, I got something to tell you. Dad, I'm, I'm, I got something to tell you. I, I, I did something wrong. Excuse me. I got to take this call. Because my daughter, my daughter, needs me. <laughs> she comes to him and emphasizes her messed up condition. And Jesus reminds her of her permanent position she comes with I messed up look at look at all of what I have he says oh yeah I'll heal you and you need to remember your mind 
You belong to me. Can you hear that this morning? You belong to Jesus. You belong to him. You say, I know, I know, I know, I know. Like if I, like if I, if I come to church and if I, and if, and if I give in the tithe and, and if, I, if I say my prayers, no, 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 you belong to him. You just, you just belong. I know, I know, but you know, I, I have to kind of do my part. You know, I take one step, he takes, no, 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 you belong to him. It's not based on what you do. It's not based on what you didn't do. You just belong to him. He's, you're his, you're his, you're his. And that's how he sees you. And he always sees you. He's always watching. He's always been looking for you because you belong to him. My kids were, my kids were young and they were, they were babies. They didn't always do everything right. Like for instance, we sleep through the night in my house, but when they were two, they didn't get the memo, right? Just cry all night long. How ridiculous would it be? How bad of a father would I be? I was like, if you cry one more time, you're sleeping in the driveway. I swear to God, you know, like my children, they didn't, they didn't always behave and do what I asked them to do. Like we're, we, don't, we don't use the facilities in our pants at the dinner table. You don't do it. You don't do it. It's inappropriate. It's rude. It's, it's unnecessary. We have rules. Imagine the two-year-old does that and I, I give him a one-way ticket to Canada. I'm like, you're dead to me. We're over, right? Like, no, 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 that's ridiculous. You say, they, they belong to me not because they did things I asked them to do. They belong to me because of me. Because I'm their dad, they belong by default. That's what it is. You belong. You're part of the family because of who I am. That's what God is saying to us. That's what Jesus is saying to her. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you have and haven't earned. You belong because of my love and your position with me. Please hear me this morning. You belong. You belong. Jesus loves you. And God and with God, you can have a brand new day. Brand new day. It could be new in a moment. So, in April of 2021, let's begin again. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Here we go. Amen. Would you bow your heads real quick? God, I pray for every person in church today. Lord, I pray that we would see ourselves the way you see us, not perfect by any means but I'm grateful that that's not what you require. But Lord, give us the joy and the perspective to begin again right now. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for making a way. Thank you that you make all things new and made this be a brand new day for us as a community, for us individually. Lord, I thank you. We believe. Help us to not be afraid. Help us to simply believe because of who you are. With every eye closed, give you an opportunity is to put your faith in Jesus. Welcome to church. There will never be a service where we gather together on Sunday where we don't give you an opportunity. And if you're in here and you say, I need, I need to put my faith in the God that loves me like that, you can. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. And I would love to pray with you as you make that decision right here in this moment. You could do it. And so I'm going to ask you in just a few seconds to raise your hand if you want to pray that prayer. And every eye is closed. I'm not trying to embarrass you, single you out. But just so you know, Jesus sees you. You can't hide. He, he wants you. He sees you. He's there with you. And all you have to do is reach out and say, today, I follow Jesus. If you want to do that today, I'd love to pray for you. So I'm going to count to three. If you're in here, would you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? One two, three. Got it. You just put it up, put it right back down. Anyone else? Thank you. 
in the back. Just put it up, put it right down, just so I see who I'm praying. Amen. Amen. Jesus, thank you for forgiving us of our crimes. Thank you for healing us of the issues we have. Most of all, thank you for loving us before we even loved you. Right now, in this moment, we put our faith in you. We choose to follow you in it all, through it all, because we know that you are with us in it all and through it all. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.